gon' feel the heat. Yeah, they gon' feel the heat. They gon' feel the heat. Tell your whereabouts ain't they ready? Nah. Yeah, you gon' feel the heat. They ain't ready. Yeah. Let's get it. Biggest discussions, games of the week. All up for debate, you gon' feel the heat. Come listen in, come take a peek. Day and web gon' make you feel the heat. Who got the win? Who saw the feet? Take a seat, you gon' feel the heat. Let them speak, you gon' feel the heat. Mic check one two, you gon' feel the heat. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Feel the Heat. I'm your favorite host, Day. We got a lot of good content for you guys. First, coming up, the LSU vs. Clemson Championship matchup, Monday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Also, jump into the NFL. Rumor has it, the Detroit Lions will take two attack of a low at number three. Is this a good investment? We'll cover that. Antonio Brown is trying his best to stay relevant by boxing a YouTube celebrity. Logan Paul, never heard of him. By the way, that guy has only won one match, only or he's lost a match, and he's only played in the match. Um, also, of course, our divisional matchups this weekend. Vikings versus 49ers, Seahawks versus Packers, Titans versus Ravens, Texans versus Chiefs. Got a lot of drama to cover there. And the NBA, we seen last night that Houston took on OKC and Russell Westbrook's return to Oklahoma City, and they got destroyed by Chris Paul and the Thunder. A lot to cover, a little bit of time, so stay tuned and just get that heat. Hey guys, Web just checked in. What's good, buddy? Nothing much. Just staying out of this rain. It's raining now. <laughs> hey man, y'all can't catch a break. You got snow and rain. Just hopefully it don't freeze over, bro. Oh, it's going to. That's the funny part. Oh yeah, see that's why I, that's what I hate driving in the most or walking in the most. It's a black ice, man. Silly. Anyways, guys, welcome back to Feel the Heat, episode two of season two. Um, I'm Day. You just heard Webb check in. As promised, we got you got questions. We have answers. Um, here at Feel the Heat, we back up our takes with the facts, numbers, and everyone has an opinion, but not everyone backs it up with the facts. And as Webb always says, the numbers don't always tell the whole story. Feel free to send us your questions or topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW or BYM underscore sports. All right, guys, jumping right into it. Championship Monday is here. LSU versus Clemson, something we've all been waiting for. And I don't know. Did you have Clemson in the final matchup this year? I think I did. I think I did. It's kind of hard not to pick them, but here we are. um, Clemson versus LSU Monday at 8 p.m. 8 p.m. on ESPN. Um, Webb, who will be the winner of this game and why? I mean, I'd love to say Clemson, but I just, it's hard. And I don't see Clemson winning this game simply because I can't tell you how many years, I can, I don't know the specific number, but 
I believe it was, I don't even remember what school it was, but in a long time, LSU has been the first school to have a thousand yard rusher, 2000 yard receivers, and Joe Burrow's throwing for what? 5,000, over 5,000 yards, 46 46 touchdowns in 11 games. They're the most efficient, high powered offense I've seen since I've been watching college football in general. And the only games that LSU has been won within like a score was their most um, like the the best game on their resume. Like uh, Auburn, for example, I believe they only won that game by like six points. And then uh, there was one more that I can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah, Clemson. It's not looking good for Clemson, especially with the uh, the showing they put on against Ohio State, even though they won that game. But to match up against somebody like LSU, you got to do way better than that, especially looking back on how they played against teams like North Carolina and NC State and even Syracuse. Um, I would say that LSU is a very high-powered offense, but, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, offensive teams – teams overall like you said they have been like that but um oh it was it was Tulsa and uh and um Tulsa and Hawaii they're the first uh they were the other two teams and I think like 2008 that also had a thousand yard rusher 2,000 yard uh receivers and with over uh with their quarterback over 5,000 yards passing yeah, I mean, you can't take away anything from LSU from what they have done. I mean, this is going to be a game that's strength versus strength on all sides of the ball. Um, and Joe Burrow is playing really great. I mean, he, he's obviously the best player in college football this year. That's why he's won the Heisman. And um, I have to go with Clemson. I mean, I like LSU. I don't, I don't, I think it could go either way, but I have to go with Clemson for three reasons championship experience. I mean, this is their fourth uh, appearance in a national championship game in five years. And then what is this playing, um, you know, for their third title in, in, in four seasons. And so everybody thought last year Alabama would take, you know, Clemson down and win it all. But the exact opposite happened. And they really rocked the, the um, Crimson Tide 44-16. Um, another reason I think people, people overlook and sleep on Trevor Lawrence. Now, he's not a no Joe Burrow. But he is one of the most talented quarterbacks to play the game in college football this season. Um, and it's typically like how strong his arm is, which it will capture your att- attention. And, and then you think about um, his athletic ability and ability to escape the, um, the pocket. And you see he put up like over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown on Ohio State. So he has a lot of moxie, which a team needs. And I think um, Joe Burrow has been able to be comfortable enough to stand in the pocket and 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 make some really good passes. You can't take that away from him. His offensive line blocks really well for him. But the third thing I take away from Clemson and while they will win is their resiliency. I mean, they were down, what, 16-0 to Ohio State in the second quarter, and then they, they came back. And um, they were able to contain, you know, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, they've – Faced the most controversial, some of the most controversial moments during their uh, four-year run in championship college playoffs, and I mean, I think the experience, the resiliency, 
Trevor Lawrence, he has a lot to prove. I feel like the chip is on their shoulder. Everybody has doubted them and said, well, their schedule's too easy. They shouldn't be here, blah, blah, blah. I think Clemson has enough motivation and fuel to go in here and give LSU their best shot and win the game. I think it'll be a close game, maybe by three points. Um, I respectfully disagree, but this is why I love college football, because we'll, we'll see. And that's all that is, man. Good luck to everybody playing in those games. Bring home the trophy for your team, whoever it may be. LSU obviously has the advantage as they're playing in uh, New Orleans. And, you know, they play in Baton Rouge. So it's basically a home game for them. And since the Saints fans don't have anybody to cheer for in the postseason, I'm sure that that city is lit from now all the way through Monday. And especially if they win Monday night, that city is going to be lit probably for the remainder of the week. Um, probably going into Mardi Gras. Who knows? All right. So, NFL rumor has it that the Detroit Lions will take Tua at number three. Is this a good investment for the Lions, Web? I have no objections to this pick whatsoever. Um, seeing as that the Lions refuse to just rebuild um, a, di- a direction that I would recommend, at least in my in my own opinion, is. Well, then you got to start getting guys that are more versatile, that can do more things. Tua Tagovailoa is a guy who he's an excellent improviser in the pocket when the pressure is on. He can spin around and make an, make an accurate throw. He can make people miss. He's an accurate passer. I like Tua. So if the Lions want to take him, uh, I have no problems with that. Also, another example would be like Isaiah Sims, Isaiah Simmons from uh, uh, from Clemson, who could play safety and also play linebacker. Is somebody that I would also recommend, considering the fact that Lions have almost no linebackers due to injury, and they need help in the secondary anyway. So, see, my thing is. is- Tua can't stay healthy to complete a season. We've seen that throughout his collegiate career. He can't stay healthy to complete a season. Um, That's my main problem with picking him at number three. Now, if you're going to pick him at number three to trade him for somebody you want, that's one thing. But um, I just don't see that. I don't see that being a very smart draft pick. I feel like the Lions do this every year for the last couple of years. They go and pick the dumbest pick that they could have on their team when they could pick anybody else, which they need. And I feel like they could get a solid quarterback later in the draft. I mean, you don't need a franchise type of guy right now because you still have Matthew Stafford on the books, who is also an injury-prone quarterback. But he's been proven to be really good, a really good quarterback. Um, He's been consistent with the weapons that he has. And you can't blame him for that. And he's still on your books. So I think the best thing we'll do is is to go ahead and draft your one of your DBs, a corner or a safety, and put yourself in a position to win on defense. And later on in the draft, go look for a quarterback that is solid, that can learn under, under Matthew Stafford. Or go look for a free agent quarterback that you could bring in that doesn't mind being the backup. I mean, if they could, if they want to trade down, if they still want to get a quarterback, but they don't want to draft one too high, I mean, they could probably get Jake Fromm. It's possible. It's possible. And that's just one of my recommendations. Just wait for it don't jump on tour because what's the sense of having two guys um injured for the whole season and then going with your third or fourth string quarterback all right moving forward antonio brown is doing his best at staying relevant by boxing a youtube celebrity 
honestly, I don't even know who Logan Paul is. I had to look him up. He's just like a, some YouTube blogger type guy. And uh, Antonio Brown's days of being relevant are pretty much over. He's fighting to survive in the entertainment industry. And I don't think with all his little shenanigans that teams are really going to take the risk on him. Yeah, he worked out with New Orleans. They were excited. But I think moving forward uh, into next season, they're going to pass on by A.B. And they're going to, you know, build, bring in some other free agent receivers that have proven that they're not a risk to take on a field, that they're not going to blow up on management and things of that sort. So I don't know. Well, what do you think about this whole thing? Well, I mean, as far as like the fight goes, I don't why. Like, I mean, for promotional and business purposes, like if you want to make some money like that, would be great. Um, like I was just talking to Martell about this the other day. Logan, I think Logan Paul would would destroy Antonio Brown, considering the fact that Logan Paul, if you didn't, because you don't know like who he is, um, he's been into boxing. He's been bo- training and boxing for like two years. He just went pro. So I don't on Antonio Brown's part, I don't understand. But I did watch uh, Logan Paul's podcast on what he thought set Antonio Brown off about it was when it was mentioned as kind of like a joke, he's seen the odds. And I think Logan Paul was minus 2,000, something like that, and Antonio Brown was plus 1,000 in the betting. Um, so I guess that's what prompted Antonio Brown to send out a tweet and tell him to square up. But uh, if you want to make some money, I think this would be a good idea. But in, in the NFL, I'm still sticking to my story. I think Antonio Brown's just too good of a talent, too good of a player to just let go by the wayside. That's just my opinion, though. But I understand what you're saying. As well. Yeah, he is too good of a player to let go by the wayside, but not too many teams are going to take that risk of bringing him in and then losing him halfway through the season because he always got something going on for the last couple of years. Um, as far as, you know, this Logan Paul guy goes, like, to me, they're really both in the entertainment industry. I mean, obviously, Antonio Brown, everybody knows who he is, but not everybody knows this Logan Paul guy. I mean, he lost his only match that he played in. He fought in, and it's just like, I think they, they both are going to, they both will win. If the fight happens, they'll both win. Because people are going to go to the fight because it's Antonio Brown. People are going to go to, uh, you know, sub- subscribe to the fight in, in order to pay per view because it's Antonio Brown. It's just an all hype thing to keep people relevant. Um, I think, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was at one point Chris Brown and Meek Mill had said, or was it Meek Mill? Chris Brown and one of these other rappers had got into a beef and. They said, let's, let's just square it out in, in a boxing match. And Floyd was promoting it, and it never happened. So I think this will probably be the same thing, something that will never happen. Hey, they didn't think McGregor and uh, and Floyd was going to happen. But there was just too money. There was just too much money involved for that not to happen. Yeah, but you're talking about two guys who are really good and dominating at their sport. The, I mean, Antonio Brown's dominating his sport, but what is Logan Paul doing? You know yeah. what I mean? He's a novice in, in the boxing world right now. Pretty much. All right. So after that's all concluded, um, someone wanted us to name an X factor for each team in the next round of playoffs. So as we go over the games of the week, we will throw in our X factors. And first up is the Vikings versus the 49ers. Um, for me, my pick to win this game, and I feel like I'm crazy for saying this, it's going to be the Vikings. I think they're going to find a way to 
get this win. I really do. Um, and for me, the Vikings X factor is going to be their backup running back, uh, Madison, for, for the Vikings. He plays really well. Um, he's a good handcuff for Dalvin Cook when he has to go out and take a break. He can put up some similar numbers. If he was to be a starter on another team, he just knows how to find the hole, get to the edge and make plays. He's very shifty, very uh, very much a speed back and has a lot of power behind him. For the 49ers, I think the X factor is going to be D Ford. If he is back on defense and healthy, um, I think that'll make a difference for them. But if not, obviously I think that's a way that the Vikings can expose the 49ers defense as their corners and their safeties hasn't been that great. Their defensive line and their and their uh, linebackers have been really, really good this season. So it all depends if D4 comes back. What about you, Webb? Um, I'm going to pick the 49ers to win this game. And, and you said a, a player who would be the X factor? A player or, you know, even an offense or defense, whatever you want to say. All right, okay. Well, if I had to pick a player to be the X Factor for this, it would be Jimmy Garoppolo because he's been kind of up and down, sort of kind of all season. And when he's doing well, when he's able to find guys like Debo Samuel, who's, who's honestly paid off in the long run, um... Even guys like Emmanuel Sanders, they have good, they have good receivers. But when Garoppolo is playing well, the 49ers are hard to beat. But on the Vikings, I want to say the Vikings, but again, I don't trust Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings defense is really good. So that's really where, like, if I had to pick somebody for the Vikings, I'd say the Vikings defense, because if they could put pressure on Garoppolo and get him out of the pocket, he's not a very not a very mobile quarterback so I think that would put them in a good position to win if they're able to get him out of the pocket and make him uncomfortable all right so you heard that there Seahawks versus the Packers are up next um to me I really don't know who's gonna win this game because let's be honest the Packers defense has not been really that good and the Seahawks offense hasn't been that great. Like you said in the beginning of the season, the Seahawks rely on Russell Wilson too much and their defense has been pretty good for them um, and held it up. So it's like opposites for both. And they're playing in Green Bay and I think it's gonna be 25 degrees there. And I think that's a factor as well. I do, I do think that the Seahawks will find a way to Pull, pull it out and win. I, it's hard to say that. But for as far as X-Factors goes, um, for the Packers, I think it will be Jimmy Graham. Um, the Seahawks haven't been successful in stopping the opposite team's tight end all season from gaining yards, creating positive plays. And the Seahawks X-Factor for me is DK Metcalf. He is continuing to evolve as the season has prolonged, and he's doing good at it. Okay. Um, honestly... I'm going to pick the Packers to win this. And the X factor for this has got to be, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Because all around him, he's got, he's got a good team all around him on both sides of the ball. And like you said, Jimmy Graham hasn't, he's been underperforming. He's been relatively silent. And I'd say the Packers have been able to have a pretty success, successful season with him being relatively silent. Um, 
if Aaron Rodgers can find a way to find Devontae Adams and all his receivers and make the right decision, make the right throws, because I believe in the Packers' defense. They have a good defense. It just comes down to chances. The Seahawks, like I said in the beginning, um, I think the Seahawks are good, but I think they're just going to they're going to fall short just like they usually just like they usually have in recent memory but for them somebody who I'm really looking at is Marshawn Lynch I mean the rest of their backfield is pretty pretty depleted they're done so I'm looking at Marshawn Lynch in them third third and short second and long kind of situations keep the chains moving to keep the ball in the Seahawks hand because the Packers only need one time, one play. They got Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. They can go off at any moment. Well, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think we both have really very solid points, but I mean, we'll see. And uh, maybe the X factor will be just that the weather is going to be difficult for both teams to really play their best in, but I expect a good game nonetheless. All right. Tennessee Titans versus the Baltimore Ravens. And Man, okay, so the X Factor for the Ravens is they haven't played the Titans yet. So it's going to be hard for the Titans to make adjustments for Lamar and the offense in real game time. So that's really an advantage for um, the Ravens. For the Titans, I think their X Factors are their linebackers. They are a very strong team up the middle of the field. And also, um, this is another question you can answer when you come up. Uh, if Mark Ingram is not ready to play, how much does this hurt the Ravens? And I just want to say this. My pick for this game is obviously the Ravens. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. So I don't think Tennessee has enough to upset the Ravens, but I wouldn't count them out either. Um, just one second. All right. Obviously, I'm picking the Ravens to win this game. But like you said, uh... Oh, yeah. Mark Ingram's day-to-day with the calf. I think he'll be good to go. But even if he's not, I still think they'll be fine. I think I think uh, Lamar Jackson will pick up the slack. Because like you said, the Titans haven't played him yet. And their linebackers are really good in pursuit. They're good at, at uh, filling the running lanes. They're good in coverage. And they have a good secondary behind them. Mar- Marlon Humphreys. Dang, I always forget. Marcus Peters. I always forget Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. Um, dang, Earl Thomas. Yeah. They have a really good team, a really good defense, and an even better offense. So I think Mark Ingram being gone does limit them a little bit more. But I still think they'll find a way to be just as potent on offense. Okay. All right. And last but not least. The Texans versus the Chiefs. And I think this is a game that the Texans are going to surprise a lot of people. They had a very bad game and got some luck last week. But I think this is the game that they're really, I mean, Hopkins and Watson, that connection is going to be on fire. And I think the um, the the against the Chiefs, the X factor for the Texans is going to be Kenny Stills because a lot of attention is going to be drawn onto um, Hopkins. And Kenny Stills has been really good for the Texans. He's created positive plays in, uh, in space up the middle. He has good speed, good hands. And um, I think that he's going to create a problem for their secondary. And they haven't really had a good secondary all season. They just lost one of their 
better, uh, I believe, corners too as well. And they're pretty banged up. So that's where I stand with that. As far as the Chiefs, their X factor, like I said, is going to be their secondary. They're really banged up. So they have to perform well with the little help they have. And so for this game, I'm going to take the Texans to upset the Chiefs. Yeah, like you said, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and take the Texans to upset the Chiefs. And their X factors definitely got to be Deshaun Watson. Um, dynamic outside the pocket. If you're open, he's probably going to find you. And just against the against the Bills, I'm still honestly mad about that. But Deshaun Watson was just able to make plays and find open receivers when the pressure was on, when that's all I really got to say about it. All right, so I've been saying that the Chiefs defense has been suspect since since day one, from day one. And their X factor's got to be, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. um, He's their dynamic playmaker as well. If he plays well, if he's clicking, the entire offense is clicking, which means the Chiefs are going to give the Texans a run for their money, a real run for their money. Yeah, I have no doubt in their offense, in their offensive scheme. I think it all comes down to their defense for them. If they if they can't stop uh, Hopkins, if they can't stop Watson, and if they can't, you know, put some pressure on Kenny Stills, um, I mean – the, the Texans have a really good chance. I think it'd be a different story if the Bills was there. Even though the the Bills have a uglier offense, they really have a really good defense. And you have to beat their defense in order to win games. Um, that's why they is it is it weird that DeAndre Hopkins is like unusually silent for most of the game? Is that unusual to you? Like, I mean, or has that? Has that just been a trend? I feel all like season? it's been a trend all season just because, like you had said, the Texans haven't had that really good offensive line. Yeah, they upgraded um, the tackle um, from Miami, but at the same time, it's just like they don't, they, he's, Watson still doesn't have enough time in the pocket to get good passes to Hopkins. And I think they have to protect Watson so he does have time. And that's why you see him a lot throwing the little check down routes. And um, you see that, you know, Watson is not getting or uh, Hopkins is not getting the looks that he usually gets. And he's double teamed a lot. That's another reason. All right. So I'll say this and we'll move forward. The Eagles, if you don't know, have fired their offensive coordinator and their wide receiver coach, Mike Grow. And I, I'm so glad they did because their wide receivers were terrible. They couldn't they couldn't stay healthy. They couldn't catch a pass to save their life. All right, guys, moving on to the NBA. We got about five minutes before we got to shut this down. Um, Chris Paul has been putting on a clinic and scoring and assists as always. It is apparent. Is it apparent thus far that the OKC Thunder have won the trade with Houston? And I'm going to say yes, even though OKC is in sixth place right now. No one expected them to be a playoff team. I mean, they're playing with some of the best, some of the best ball they have played as a team in years. And Russ... And Paul George and Melo, um, they didn't have that swag and that leadership that, that CP3 does and getting people to buy into what they're trying to do there in Oklahoma City. I know we talked about um, OKC trading uh, CP3, but now that they found this type of leader and they have some success with it, 
and he's going to help their younger guys grow and develop in their confidence and and their play develop um, their play. Um, I think they should keep CP3. I mean, you seen last night they go and um, destroy Houston and Russell Westbrook's return to Oklahoma City. I, I mean, CP3 is having some of his career highs this year. He has um, a career high in true shooting percentage and three point percentage. And he didn't look as confident as he does with OKC when he was with the Rockets. And I think that's because he's a guy who likes to facilitate. He doesn't like that isolation offense. And he has to be the floor general, and he couldn't do that in Houston. So, I mean, like, what are your thoughts, Webb? Do you think um, Chris Paul or, or OKC Thunder won the trade with Houston so far? I think they definitely won the uh, trade. I was a little skeptical in the beginning because I thought Russell Westbrook as a whole was just better all around. But with James Harden being so ball dominant and then Russell Westbrook also being this, doing the same thing, it's kind of hard to gel. And we're seeing it. Russell Westbrook is just doing Russell Westbrook-esque things, which is just running down the court and turning the ball over. Um, but with... OKC, they were they said from the beginning they were gonna look to move Chris Paul. And I think I think that they have the perfect opportunity for that because you know the you know what the game is, you buy low and you sell high. Chris Paul is playing well right now. I would go to move him specifically because Shy Gilgis Alexander has a bright future and he really is he's a baller. So I I would still move him. Yeah, I wouldn't actually I wouldn't have a problem with them moving him. I don't think they will if they want to be a playoff team. But um I'll say this and we can move forward to the next question. Like um Gilbert Arena said, OKC, since they have been in Oklahoma City, they have never made progress in signing a big free agent to come there and play. They traded for uh Paul George. They bought out, uh, the Hawks bought out Melo and they signed him for a veteran uh, minimum, but they've never made a big free agent move and that's why they're stagnant and that's where they are, where they are and that's why Kevin Durant left. Now that's a conversation for next week's episode, but I wanted to bring that up because you are right in a sense, but at the same time, if they do trade Chris Paul before the trade deadline, this proves that they're not a team that has mentality that they want to win now. All right, here's another question, Webb. Why do people feel or you feel or that Russ and James Harden's connection doesn't work? And I think you kind of answered that, that before, that they're both entirely too much ball dominant. Well, yeah, I mean, when James Harden is sort of kind of struggling to score, which we have seen before when he kind of tries to force the shot, and not necessarily focus on making the shot, but looking to get the foul afterwards. You know, sometimes Russ gets the ball and feels like he has to do everything and ends up doing too much, which is ultimately the problem. Russ, is, he just does too much. Um, also, I just don't think the Rocket system works anyway with what they have. I mean... I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of the seven-second mm-hmm. system. It's just... It's a little too one-dimensional, and it's really easy to scheme against defensively. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it just comes down to James Harden struggling and Russ doing too much and trying to put that together, and it just doesn't work all the time. I mean, they have good games, but overall, I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right to bring up that this this type of offense doesn't work, and you look at Mike D'Antoni's re- uh, uh, resume, 
and it's not it has not worked in Houston yet. Yeah, James Harden is on a scoring tear, but it's usually in his offense. There's always one person who's always on the scoring tear, and Houston has been James Harden, um, and uh, and and Phoenix. I want to say it was between Steve Nash and, and Amari Stoudemire. I can't remember who their two guard was at the time. Maybe Grant Hill when he was healthy, and. In New York, it was mellow, and none of those teams have been really successful in winning a championship because they focus on offense and they don't play defense. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, let's go ahead and move forward. Someone said the fan vote needs to be taken away from all-star uh, votes. Some people on the list are ridiculous, like Alex Caruso and Taco Fall. And I think, yep, you're right. The all-star voting is absolutely trash. There are there are guys on this uh voting that are getting good votes they haven't even played more than 10 games and it's just it's a shame to the guys that are playing and are putting up good numbers what do you think well definitely i was kind of i was kind of dumbfounded to see taco fall ahead of andre drummond in all-star voting i mean i've seen taco fall check into a game probably three or four times um i think they need to get rid of it but at the same time you got to kind of play to the fans just to keep to keep eyes on the TV, to keep people in attendance. Because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business, but it's based on entertainment as well. Yeah, I get that point, but there's still like a way that, you know, the fan vote maybe only should be counted as a certain percentage. I mean, it has the majority in stake, at stake, and I think they need to go back to the coaches and media and then the fan vote being a certain percentage to get guys in because some guys need to be eliminated like yesterday. All right, so um, Kevin Love wants out of Cleveland. We've seen him have a little uh, thing on the court where he kind of went off on his point guard then demanded the ball then threw the ball to the next player and walked back down the court and he's very aggravated in Cleveland and I think we have both been saying save Kevin's career and get him out of there. I think he's trying to play that good. I think he was trying to play that good, good guy role when he signed um, his extension initially. But I love to see him like as a Celtic, a Blazer, or Heat player. I think he would fit well in any of those systems. I agree with that. Um, I think he's just not used to the type of basketball that the young players are coming in and trying to do. That's just. I think he's just tired of losing. He's just not feeling the system Cleveland's not feeling the coach just Cleveland in general just the atmosphere just seems to not be comfortable for Kevin Love at all I agree and he's with a lot of you know young guys like you said he he's the vet he's the guy everybody's gonna go to go to for knowledge and maybe he's just not that good you know comfortable in that position with that team um Kyle Kuzma and Andre Drummond are on a trade block I think Andre in Miami is a good look or, or with the Spurs and then I think Kyle Kuzma in OKC or Toronto is a good look what about you um Kyle Kuzma to the Thunder is is interesting I'm not a I'm not honestly I'm not a huge Kyle Kuzma fan so I understand why they're kind of training them they probably want another shooter just because Kyle Kuzma is somewhere in the middle between playmaker and uh He's so inconsistent. I mean, I think he's a good athlete, but he's very inconsistent. Go ahead. I mean, but in terms of who 
who I would see him going to, I'm not really 100% sure on it because I'm not really 100% sure on who he is as a player, like what his niche is. Yet, like Andre Drummond, I agree with you uh, with the Trailblazers, the Heat, something like that. Andre Drummond can easily give you 20 and 20. So, but he said he's not a quitter and he doesn't want to leave Detroit. So that's a that's a promising sight for sore eyes. Uh, yeah. I hope he does leave. I don't want I don't want him to leave. But I think the Pistons need a rebuild and I think they should he's one guy they should keep. The Pistons been rebuilding for eleven years. I mean, this is a conversation we can get into next Tuesday. They've been rebuilding for 11 years. They need to get rid of Reggie and bring a different point guard in there and get a three, get a swing man that can play three. I mean, and at this point, trade Blake Griffin. Just trade him and get somebody else. He can't stay healthy. He's not the same guy he used to be. Yeah, he did good. He pushed the season, the playoffs. Last year, he gave Detroit all he had. We can we can appreciate that. But at the same time, get rid of him while you can. Don't keep his contract on the books like they did uh, Josh Smith. After all these years, after Josh Smith had left Detroit, they were still paying him. Something's got to change either with Detroit's GM and, and or their ownership because they're, it, I don't know, they just don't have it. They're just a team that's let's, going regressively backwards. Let's trade to Phoenix and try to get like Kelly Oubre or uh, or even DeAndre Ayton. I think I think if we throw a, a little package deal in with Andre Drummond, we can get DeAndre Ayton just to stretch the floor out a little bit. Possibly, possibly. Um, all right, and before we wrap up, this is the last question. Who would you like to see traded before the trade deadline? And my answer is simply DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he's put on a scoring clinic the last four or five games, and I think he is raising his trade value at the right time. I agree. I want to see Kevin Love get traded, just simply because I feel like he has so much more to offer to a team that has – more going for them than Cleveland. I'm not saying Cleveland's a really young team and they have potential, but honestly, everybody's got potential and I want to see him somewhere where he can put his skill set to better use than just winning 30 games and calling it a year. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, guys. So now you know we have the divisional matchups championship Monday. Let us know what you liked about the show, what you didn't like. Hit us up at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW or BYM underscore sports. And we'll get you back to you with an answer. Um, enjoy this weekend. Stay warm, web. Don't follow no black ice. And we'll catch you on Tuesday if nothing else. All right.